Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Trey Day, and this is the Today with Trey podcast. It has been uh, well, nearly a month since the last episode I recorded. I'm going to look this up real quick. Yeah, let me know. I don't need to look it up. June 28th was the last time I recorded an episode of the podcast, and today is July 23rd. So in five days, it would have been a, it would have been a month since the last time I had recorded an episode. So I must thank you for your patience and waiting for me to record another episode. I, my birthday was, I wanted to do one on my birthday, I just didn't, because I'm that lazy, um, and then I just hadn't recorded an episode, which is negligent on me, especially if, you know, you like what you do, and I love recording these episodes, so if you love what you do, you'll definitely do it more, you know what they always say, um, dang, what was that saying about, What? how did that saying about hobbies go? Ah, uh, well, shoot, it'll come to me. But, you know what they say about hobbies. You need to... Oh. It's not... God dang it, I can't remember it. This is how... This is how long... This is how you know it's been a while since I recorded an episode. I can't remember my, like, go-to sayings. But... Um, I am back. We're gonna talk about Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes. You know, kinda... Talk, training camp just started. Um, rookies and quarterbacks just showed up on Sunday, and today's Monday. So, literally, they've had one practice, and it wasn't even like a full practice. It was just rookies and undrafted free agents and, you know, tryout guys, and plus the quarterbacks um, for one practice. Pretty sure the rest of the guys will report till towards the end of the week or like Wednesday, Thursday. But we'll talk about the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, that kind of thing. And then we'll talk about. The New York Mets, which is kind of it's kind of been weighing my mind. I mean, it's not been weighing on me, but like when you hear about the Mets, when you hear about the Mets every day, and when you follow baseball as much as I do, and you hear about the Mets in their um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It starts with an I, and it's it starts with an I, and it just means stupid. You talk when you hear about the Mets and their idiocy. I don't know if that's a word, but you'd hear about their front office doing something stupid like every other week, every other day, not even every other week, like every other every other day. It's like, my goodness, what is wrong with you people? Do you not know how to run an organization? <laughs> but we'll talk about that, and we'll talk about the one crazy stat that I just can't get over since I've seen it. Since I saw it last week, I can't get over this crazy stat about Joey Votto. So, we'll talk about those things. This is the first episode I've had in a month. You're gonna be able, you're gonna be able to tell, like, throughout this entire episode. I just know it. Like, you're gonna be able to tell that it's. You could hear it in my voice, and you can hear it in the podcast that it ha- it has been a while since I've been in front of the mic to record an episode. I'm just gonna gonna prepare you guys now because I am. I am so disappointed in myself with the way this episode is going to turn out. <laughs> but you cut me some slack. Um, you have the podcast to listen because you know I'm back for the fans. Those are the things we're going to talk about. We're going to dive into those and then we're just going to live our lives and, you know, give the podcast a good rating. So without further ado, this is the Today with Trey podcast. Let's get the show on the road.
gentlemen training camp has officially started around the nfl um nfl network is doing their 10 hours of coverage of nfl training camps around the league today which is today's what today's monday (laughs) i don't know what day it is it's been so long since i recorded like i said before so i'm bear with me here but like I said, training camps around the NFL have started, um, which means I get to listen to Lewis Riddick, who is quite possibly one of the smartest people in football um, that doesn't have an actual football job in an NFL front office. But I mean, he's if if Lewis Riddick if Lewis Riddick wanted a job in an NFL front office, I'm pretty sure it wouldn't be that hard for him to get one because the man is a certified genius. Nothing short of a football genius. So if you really don't pay attention to Lewis Riddick, you should start doing that, especially if you're a football fan and you're like looking if you're looking for more knowledge on the game of football and you want to, you know, get football smarter, listen to Lewis Riddick. He knows what he's talking about. He's a former GM and a former former player, obviously, and he's also a former GM. So he knows what he's doing. Um I'm going to focus mostly on the Chiefs training camp because quarterbacks, rookies reported um, earlier this weekend. I think it's I've been pretty much stalked Patrick Mahomes on his Instagram all off season, been vacationing, whatever. But now he's back in town. He's at camp. Um, talked to the media yesterday, and I mean. It's hard not to be excited as a Chiefs fan. Like this coming season, like it doesn't matter that our defense is has the most question marks I've seen in quite some. I've seen not in quite some time. I've seen in the Andy Reid tenure. It's got the most question marks since you know Andy Reid got here. But Patrick Mahomes has made gotten it to a point to where I really don't care that we have the most question marks in the on our defense side of the ball in the Andy Reid era. Like, I really just don't care because I have Patrick Mahomes and he can, like, the talent level that that this kid has, he can make up for whatever deficiencies our defense has um, just because not only is he that good, but Andy Reid's that good and Tyreek Hill's that good and Travis Kelsey and Sammy Watkins and Kareem Hunt and Mitch Morris and um, Mitchell and uh, not Mitchell Schwartz. Yeah. Mitchell Schwartz and LTD. Like those guys are all that good. So like they can make up for the deficiencies on defense and regardless of whatever deficiencies we have, it's not like we don't have Eric Berry, Justin Houston, who was half a sack from setting an NFL record. And it's not like we don't have Chris Jones, who is legitimately one of the best three, four defensive ends in football. I'd say he's top seven, top possibly top five, depending on how this season goes. 
He's one of the best 3-4 defensive ends in football. It's not like we don't have Reggie Ragland, who played his first year after a torn ACL, and like after he really got his legs under him and was like, you know, he didn't have to think about what he was doing. Not that, I mean, he really has to, I mean, he's in the NFL, so it's not like he really has to think as much as you as much as you might think he has to think about his stuff, like when he's just going and flying and, you know, he's running downhill like Reggie Ragland. He's a, he's a pretty damn good linebacker. It's not like we didn't get Anthony Hitchens. It's not like we didn't get um, uh, Kendall Fuller, who is graded as the best slot corner in the NFL last season. It's not like... I already said Eric Berry, so it's not like we don't have the pieces on the defensive side of the ball that are very, very good. And those of you that like really thought Justin Houston had a bad season last year, like probably didn't watch enough film. Um, Justin Houston, like, I mean, what do you have? Seven and a half sacks, eight sacks. No, seven. I said seven. I mean, like nine, nine sacks. That's it. I mean, for a player like Justin Houston, when you see he has eight and a half, nine sacks on the season, you're kind of, uh, damn, that's, that's 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 not enough. It's not enough. But the reality is, Justin Houston's nine sacks were, he earned all, he earned every sack he got last season. Because last season, we had no pass rush. We didn't have a pass rush until we started moving Chris Jones outside because he's too strong for a tackle to block him. So, Justin Houston earned every one of those sacks he got last season. And even when he wasn't getting sacks, you, it's, it's, as an offense, Going up against, you know, the Chiefs defense, it is impossible. Like, it's, it's, it's impossible is a strong, strong word in the NFL. Like, nothing is impossible in the NFL. But running to Justin Houston, Justin Houston's side is as close to impossible as it gets. Like, you cannot run to his side because... He, he has, the year he was a 22, 20, 22 sack performer, the year he had those 22 sacks, it was like, well, that entire season, it was just get after the quarterback, get after the quarterback, get after the quarterback, get after the quarterback, because, I mean, if you have 22 sacks, why the fuck would I do anything else but, like, send you after the quarterback? You have, you're about to break an NFL record. I'm sending you after. I'm Go, go get the quarterback. And then... And that year, too, like the Chiefs had borderline 50 sacks. So they, they, they got after it. Like that defensive line, they got after it that year. So in the time from, time from Houston having the 22 sacks and up until now, he's had the knee injury. He's had to recover uh, basically two years from that knee injury. But now, last season was his first full season. And. I will say, I mean, like the first couple of weeks, I mean, it looked like, you know, he's trying to like, you know, get that knee, get that knee back under him and to where he's like fully comfortable to hit to where he can do whatever he wants. But by, by week five throughout the season's end, like Justin Houston was 100% healthy. The guy was, the guy was doing everything he's, he was at. He is normally accustomed to doing. The problem was last season is that we didn't have another pass rush beside him across from him whatever we didn't just didn't have another pass rusher to help him out so it's like when you're an offense and you're going into playing the chiefs you know that week you know justin houston is on our right is on the offensive right side block him because 
I don't I don't trust anybody else to be able to get to my quarterback. So block Justin Houston. I don't care if you need to tight end have the tight end chip him because in the NFL, you I mean tight end chips him, that's usually enough to slow the pass rush down and you know not get sacked. So it's like I don't care if you have to have the tight end chip him. I don't care if I gotta motion the back over to his side so he can chip him. Or if I just got to double team him with the tackle on the guard. It, it doesn't matter. Block Justin Houston because nobody else can get to my quarterback because they're not good enough. Because they're really not good enough. The Chiefs didn't, like I said, the Chiefs didn't get a pass rush till they moved Chris Jones outside because he's legitimately too strong for any for the vast majority of tackles to block him. It's not that hard for him. So, but, I mean, like I said, running to Justin Houston's side is borderline impossible. The guy sets the edge better than any edge edge player in the NFL. And he's got deceptive chase down speed. Like D4, like his his thing is he can chase he, he can chase down backside plays fairly easily. The guy's that athletic, he can chase them down. Justin Houston can chase down some backside plays, you know, pretty solidly himself. He's not like, of course, he's not gonna chase it down like D Ford. But he can chase down some backside plays, and he's gonna, and you know, he's gonna, he's smart enough to where he can stay home, given say, offense pulls out of reverse, whatever misdirection and cutback, you know, design cutback runs. He can chase down the backside, but he's smart enough to, you know, kind of hold his ground so nothing gets, you know, comes back his side, and he can keep that contained because that's his job. And but <laughs> believe it or not, a lot of people fail at doing their job when it comes to keeping backside contained. That's where Reggie Bush used to succeed because defensive ends on the backside wouldn't keep their contain and do their job. But, um, so, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, back to Patrick Mahomes, who is basically my savior, um, showed up at camp, and it's, at this point, it's, it's, it's go time. This is the last week, as I'm recording this on a Monday, this is the last week without football of any kind, college, NFL, whatever. This is the last week without football until the Super Bowl, until after the Super Bowl. Like we're in full on we're full speed ahead. It's time for football. Which means it's time to really look at Patrick Mahomes. Hall of Fame games on August second, and the Chiefs play their first preseason game exactly a week later. It's it's time to go. And you got to understand that Patrick Mahomes is a real deal. And if you don't think that Patrick Mahomes is a real deal, then I'm sorry, but you need to reevaluate the either the way you watch football, like what you think is good at being a quarterback in the NFL, like or what you, or even in like not like you don't have to reevaluate reevaluate your standards because if your standards are high, then Patrick Mahomes meets those standards and he's only played one regular season game and I'm like so excited for Patrick Mahomes that even though he's only played one regular season game like that one regular season game he played was enough for me to be like that's my guy I when I turn on when I turn on Chiefs football every Sunday this season shit I have Patrick Mahomes on my side and the other team doesn't you know, other teams talk about, um, I got Tom Brady, I got Drew Brees, I got Big Ben, even though I don't really like Big Ben all that much. But, like, 
the teams talk about they got those guys. Like I have X quarterback on my side. I don't I'm not nervous about, you know, this game. I get to walk in and, you know, have that same thing. Like live when we had Alex Smith, it was obviously I wasn't nervous that we were going to lose the game because of Alex Smith, but I was nervous that like if I if it was one of those games like I I need you to I need you to clutch this out for me. I need you to win this game for me. Um, I wasn't, you're not going to be a hundred percent invested into Alex Smith being like, well, I have Alex Smith. So, um, I'm completely confident that I can trust Alex Smith. Like, I need you to go win this game for me. I need you to win this game for me. Go do it. We like, please just do it. Um, I'm not that confident in Alex Smith's ability to be like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I'm going to win this game for you. But now that we have Patrick Mahomes. I have the utmost confidence that Patrick Mahomes can be. I can just sit back, relax, and pretty much enjoy the show. Um, all reports out of camp so far. Camp's only been going a day. They showed up. Yeah, they showed up on Sunday. They have their first practice today. So, <laughs> all reports of less of basically twenty four hours is that everybody had a good day. D guys like D Ford, um, Mitch Morris, D'Anthony Thomas, those guys they're healthy. Um, pretty much full going practice full going practice. You're just kind of monitoring monitoring their workload. And, you know, just make sure they look right. Armani Watts, rookie safety at Texas AM, drafted um this this um NFL draft, suffered an ankle injury. Doesn't seem to be too bad of an ankle injury, but we'll definitely Probably sign on him for the next couple days, or you know, just kind of put him in one of the situations where you gotta monitor him, you know, in the coming weeks and the coming weeks and things like that. So that's, I mean, until we get more training camp practices, that's all I really got. But football has started. Chiefs football is here. Christian, if you want to talk about, you know. Chiefs football, the NFL in general, anything you want. Football, NFL in general, Chiefs football, whatever. Just hit me up. We can talk about it all day. Like like I said in the beginning of this, I listen to Lewis Riddick, who's probably the smartest football mind that's not in an NFL front office. (laughs) I said that like that really means something. But, I mean... You gotta pay attention. Your opinion should be shaped by facts, and that's kind of how I've managed to operate with listening to Lewis Riddick. Your my opinion has been shaped by the facts that he's given me. Um, one thing to note on my Twitter, I don't know if I'll do this on the podcast Twitter or on my personal Twitter account. Most likely my personal Twitter account because I have more followers on that account. I will be doing film review of every Chiefs game this season. I might do some, if I feel the need, if I see some things that I like, I'll do some other games too. But generally, I will be doing um, Chiefs review, film review. So if you don't, if you guys don't follow Seth Kaiser on Twitter, that's fine. Um, I'm not, I probably, no, not even probably, I won't be as good as a job, I won't be as good of a job as he does, but I'm going to stick my foot out there. Like I said, like I said on my Instagram post, on you know, Facebook, they don't know what I've been plotting. This is what I've been plotting. 
Well, this is part of what I've been plotting. The rest is still to be seen by you guys. It's for me to know you to find out. But the film review um, is coming. Um, especially, I'm doing it mostly for the Facebook fan. For, I'm doing it mostly for, one, my own pub, my own personal gain, you could say. You know, all publicity is good publicity. But I'm doing it for the Facebook crowd out there that's thinks they, you know, thinks they're the NFL film review guy and they know everything so I can be the well actually guy and put them on blast. So that will be coming this season. Um, I might do, I'll probably do some preseason games and just be prepared for that. Probably doing my personal Twitter and my Facebook and I'll put some stuff on Instagram. So that's all I got from Chiefs football because Training camp practice is only a day old. That's all I got. We will move on. We're going to move on to talk about the Mets and that complete dumpster fire because uh, I've been waiting to talk about the Mets for so long. So actually, I've talked about the Mets once before, but it was mostly sent around Jacob DeGround. But we're going to talk about the Mets real quick. All right. So a lot of you guys don't watch baseball. That listen to my podcast, which is totally fine. You don't have to watch baseball. I'm not going to like twist your arm like you need to watch baseball. Baseball is good for you. Ah, ah, ah. No, I'm not going to. I'm not going to do that to you. But I mean, if you don't watch baseball, it's kind of a um, it kind of ruins your summer. Like, because baseball is what makes the world go around. It really does. I don't care what you say. Like, you can say whatever you want about baseball, but baseball kind of really does make the world go around. It's like baseball, football, and then basketball. And the world go around power rankings, and then hockey's after all that. Um, but ooh, before I get started talking on the Mets, I want to I'm gonna hit you with a stat because it's the most incredible stat I've ever I've ever seen in my entire lifetime. So since 2010, the last eight years, well, the last seven seasons and some change, not some change, a lot of change because there's only 60 some odd games left in the regular season. But since 2010, Joey Votto, Cincinnati Reds' first baseman, has popped up, and a pop-up is determined by a ball hit, fair or foul, 140 feet from the plate, or shorter. Bases are 90 feet, so another 50 feet. But 140 feet or shorter from home plate. That's what that's defined as a pop-up. doesn't matter if the play is made or not. If the ball is hit 140 feet, if it carries, not like... If it carries 140 feet or shorter, that is defined as a pop-up. So, since 2010, Joey Votto, Reds first baseman, has hit a total, a grand total of seven, count them, seven pop-ups in since 2010. The average MLB hitter in that same time span with the same amount of, uh, generally around the same amount of plate appearances will have popped up 127 times, which is... And that one, I'm talking 127 times um, from 2010 till now. That's <laughs> that's ridiculous. You're gonna pop up seven times in over seven years. Three days ago, as of three days ago, as I'm reading this, Adam Jones had popped up six times and hit this in his last nine games. This was three days ago. He had popped up six times in his last nine games. Joey Votto popped up seven times in the last nine years. <laughs> 
pop-ups in pop-ups since 2010. Manny Ramirez has eight in 337 plate appearances. Ken Griffey Jr. had seven in 108 plate appearances. 108 plate appearances. Pudge Rodriguez had five, had seven in 558 plate appearances, and Joey Votto has seven in 5,341 plate appearances. Ken Griffey Jr. last played in 2010. Manny Ramirez and Pudge they last played in 2011. <laughs> oh my gosh. Joey Votto has 6,563 at-bats, zero pop-ups to the catcher, pitcher, or first baseman. So they've all at least gotten like to the middle of the diamond, shortstop, second, third base, whatever. It doesn't pop up in foul territory at all, like ever. It doesn't happen. It's like I retweeted a flow chart of pop-ups to like a ratio between pop-ups and home runs. Joey Votto is far and away, has the highest home run to pop up ratio, and it's not even close. The next closest person is probably probably Sin Su Chu, who recently had his on base streak of fifty two games snapped um, the other day. Sin Su Chu is probably the closest person because he only has fewer than twenty pop ups, but he's got almost a hundred fewer home runs. And this is since 2010. So he has fewer than 20 pop-ups since 2010. But like, how do you have six, over 6,500 plate appearances and never, ever, not ever, ever, ever in your career pop up to the first baseman, catcher, or pitcher? Like at some point, you would have to. At some point, like a pitcher would fool you. You know, you get a, you get underneath one. You get a curveball, you get a slider or whatever, and, you know, you, you just pop it up because it happens. Or you just get jammed in the ball, and it's one of those ones where the ball just doesn't get out of play. And, you know, you, you get jammed, you pop it up right behind you, and, and it just doesn't get out. And, you know, catcher catches it. It just doesn't happen to Joey Votto, and it doesn't make sense. Like, it, it legitimately doesn't make sense, like, how it, that's possible. Which furthers my point, and it's in the and it's in the podcast, you know, bio. Joey Votto is the best hitter in baseball, and it's that simple. So I had to throw that out there because it's the most incredible thing I've ever read about baseball. But back to the dumpster fire that is the New York Mets. So um, as of today's Monday, as of Sunday, Noah Syndergaard was placed on the DL. You know, ten day DL. You know, whatever. 10 days. Happens all the time. Syndergaard's always only DL anyway, so what's the significance of this DL stint? Well, Noah Syndergaard's only DL because he contracted a hand, foot, and mouth disease by working at a kid's camp over the All-Star game. Now, Syndergaard didn't make the All- you know, he's All-Star talented, but he didn't make the All-Star team because he spent most of the season on the DL so far. So, Syndergaard didn't make the All-Star team, so, you know, make some good use of your time, do a little something for the kids. He did that and got a disease and is now placed on a DL. Now, this, you know, he's got this disease, but I mean, it's not expected to, you know, have him out for a month or so. They said he's only expected to miss one start. But, like, come on, dude. Do you know how, like, unlucky you have to be to. Catch a disease by working from kids camp. Obviously, you can I mean you can go anywhere, catch some kind of infection, whatever. But you know, you're trying to help the kids out. You're trying to do something nice. You're trying to, 
you know, do some good for the community. Like, cause you're, you know, you're the face of the, a face of the franchise along with Jacob DeGrom. Um, so, I mean, people know who you are, especially with that beautiful flow of hair. People know who you are. So you're like, you're, you're a, you're a role model to these kids. So like when you show up to help these kids out, you know, spend your time with them, you know, spend your all-star break. All-star break is not even a week long. It's not like the NBA where you get an entire week off. You play a game on Sunday and then you're back on Friday. So, I mean, it's not like you have a ton of time off. So, you know, I mean, no, Senegar took time out of, out of his off, out of his off week, quote unquote, and, you know, spent it with the kids and then got sick and landed on the DL. But here's some Mets did come in contact with Noah Senegar, which is how hand, foot, and mouth disease is contracted. So they're keeping an eye on everyone and have made it clear everyone needs to be vigilant about washing their hands. This is like, like I work with kids. Um, most of you know this, like I work with kids. This is like when they ask me to go to the bathroom and I'm like, yeah, sure. And I like take them to the bathroom, whatever. Close the door and they come out and I'm like, did you wash your hands? Did you wash your hands? Did you use soap? Did you dry them? Get the paper towel, wash your hands, dry them. Like, come on, dog. Like the Mets have been playing. The Mets have been doing this. I don't, I don't know like how to put this nicely. They've been running this train wreck of an organization for like since this has been since before they made the world series like the year they made the world series they just made it because daniel they really just made it because one daniel murphy got hot for like two series straight um all the way leading up to was hot all the way leading up to the world series and then two harvey mats degrom and Syndergaard were all 100 healthy and we're all dealing and three, like, it was just one of those things where they, you know, they got hot. Like, you know, any sport, it doesn't matter. Any sport, it's not about the best team. It's who's playing the best at that time. And in baseball, obviously in basketball, too, you have the luxury of um, having a five or seven game series where it's not one and done. You're not out if you lose one game. And in baseball, you can finesse. The way the playoff schedule set up, you can finesse your rotation to where like you have your best guys going, you know, on any given night. And the Mets had the added advantage of they had three legitimate aces going at one time. Whether it was Harvey, the Grom, or Syndergaard, like these guys, they were they are they are well not Harvey anymore, but Syndergaard and Degrom, they are legitimate aces for any staff as long as they're healthy. Especially as long as Syndergaard's healthy. As long as Noah Syndergaard's healthy, dudes are legitimate for any any pitching staff in baseball. It doesn't matter. No matter what the staff is. Like if he was traded to the Yankees, like he could contend if he was traded to the Yankees and was one hundred percent healthy, he could contend with Luis Severino for the number one for the A spot in their rotation. Obviously Severino would keep that A spot because that's the Yankees guy. And Syndergaard had, you know, been shipped across the uh, Brooklyn Bridge to uh, to to the Bronx. So, but you you bring Kansas City is a bad example, but whatever you bring Syndergaard to Kansas City, and all of a sudden he's the hottest commodity in Kansas City, right next to Patrick Mahomes. You bring him to Cincinnati, he's a he's the hottest commodity right next to Andy Dalton, even though the way in Cincinnati even really likes him. You can put. Put you bring him to the Reds, put him right next to AJ Green. You bring him to Cleveland, put him next to 
Um, Baker Mayfield, you you bring him to the what? Bring him to the uh, well, the Dodgers got Clayton Kershaw. You bring him to the Angels, put him right next to maybe right next to Mike Trout. Mike Trout's the best player in baseball. But the Mets have been doing this for decades. They're paying Bobby Vanilla nearly $2 million every July 1st because their owner thought he could pull a fast one over on Vanilla. And Vanilla's agent was like, screw you. <laughs> Give me $2, $2 million until 2031. Like that's when you that's how you know like your franchise is your organization is run by a bunch of dumbasses. You're paying somebody that hasn't played since early 2000. You're paying somebody that hasn't played since early 2000 $2 million every year. And then every year we have to go through the same cycle again. You're in a cesspit. It's hurry. You don't play Brandon Nimmo. Jay Bruce is, you gave him X amount of money a lot. You gave him a, a pretty hefty amount for as old as he's getting. You gave him a pretty hefty amount and you don't know where you're going to play him. You don't know if you're going to play him in the outfield. You don't know if you're going to play him at first base. David Wright still getting paid by the team and refuses to retire and we know like like as much as like true baseball fans know like the real you know the real david right not the david right that's been hurt the last four or five years and just can't get on the field and can't get out of his own way like we know the real david right the dude was a, was a beast fantastic glove at third base could hit for power hit for average was like he was the met savior but now it's like it's not going to work, dude. Like, you probably need to retire. And he refuses to retire. And the Mets aren't just going to be like, we got to let you go. We're going to let you go. Because at least in baseball, there's some kind of loyalty. It's not like the NBA where they just trade you for a bag of chips just because they feel like it. But, I mean, you brought back Jose Reyes who had that domestic problem. And then he's... <laughs> I'm pretty sure his batting average is lower than the than his actual batting average is lower than the batting average against on Jacob Degrom and Jacob Degrom is batting average against is like not even 200. I think I'm pretty sure his batting average against is like not even 200 at this point. Um, what what else you you don't know what you're gonna do with Michael Conforto like is. As sweet of a swing as Michael Conforto has, he's still not hitting over 260. He struggled. At, like you, you had a point where you wouldn't play him against lefties, even though you know Michael Conforto can hit lefties. But the only way he's going to get better at hitting lefties is if, he, is if you actually play him. But now that you're actually playing him, like he's in a lineup to where he's going to struggle because he doesn't have any help because you know when Cespedes is hurt, you don't have Daniel Murphy anymore. Jay Bruce is up and down. Jose Reyes can't hit the broadside of a barn. Like your brightest spot right now is Brandon Nimmo. You had Dom Smith, who was one of your highly touted prospects. You don't play him because he's a first baseman. Now you're trying to get him to play outfield and that's tough enough. Um, you you finally got Brandon Nimmo some you, you know some consistent playing time. You didn't have a catcher for almost a month. There's I don't know how Syndergaard keeps getting like Syndergaard keeps getting hurt in ways that I cannot explain. Like Jacob Degrom when he gets hurt it's you know strained elbow like swinging the bat. Okay cool he had a thoracic I think it was pretty much he had thoracic outlet syndrome. No, that was Harvey that had thoracic outlet syndrome. But DeGrom did have another shoulder issue a couple years ago or last year. So, but Syndergaard keeps getting hurt in ways that I never thought was possible. You know, you got the infection. You got 
earlier this earlier this year he had a finger issue. It wasn't like he, it was like a strained finger. Don't know how that happens. Like help this help this guy take care of himself. Last when he last season when he tore his lat is because he put on too much muscle before the season. It's like, dude, what are you guys doing? Like you guys are you. Joel Sherman described the Mets as the the person that will shoot themselves in the foot and then go look for the gunman. Like that's the perfect description. You guys are a bunch of idiots. Don't know what they're doing, and like the owners just like keep letting this happen. Help your. You can't help anybody else until you help yourself. It's as simple as that. And the Mets front office has not helped themselves at all. Their minor league system is. Not the greatest one. They don't have a ton of ammo. They might have some. They have. They don't. It's not. They might. They do have some good prospects, but they don't have any MLB ready prospects like at all. I'm sitting there at the prospect watch, and it's um top 100 prospects, 30 by team, New York Mets. Let's go find the New York Mets. Go find the New York Mets. Yeah, their number one prospect was born in 1998. Oh, God, I am so old. Number one prospect was born in 98, and he's in high A ball. He's not going to be there until 20. He's just, ETA is not until 2020. Peter Alonzo, another first baseman, right next to Dom Smith, but Dom Smith's not going to play first base anymore, I guess. He's in AAA. He might be up in the September call-up area. David Peterson, number three prospect on the team, high A ball. Justin Dunn. Double A, Thomas um, Zapucky is in. Um, he's on a seven day DL, but his ETA is until twenty twenty one. Mark Vientos rookie ball, Desmond Lindsay seven day DL ETA not till twenty twenty. Thomas Nitto Double A, Ronnie uh, Mauricio rookie ball, Jordan Humphreys seven day DL ETA twenty twenty. That's just their top ten prospects. There's only one AAA. They only have one guy in AAA in their top ten, the team's top ten prospects. This is why I, I touched on um, a few weeks ago when I was talking about Jacob Degrom, whether to trade him or not. Like this is a situation where you trade Degrom or Syndergaard because Syndergaard's today's July 23rd. Syndergaard's penciled to start on July 31st, which is the trade deadline. If you can trade Degrom and Syndergaard, like it's gonna it's going to kill you to do it, but you're going to end up with guys that aren't in, you're going to end up with guys that aren't in double A or rookie ball or high A ball and guys that are ready to contribute fairly soon. Whether they be, you know, MLB, like guys that are in MLB, in the MLB right now. Cause like for DeGrom, excuse me, they're asking for guys that are MLB ready or not MLB ready, but they're asking for big league players in return. And that's fine because Jacob Degrom is—he's an ace. He's an ace. He's an ace guy. So you want you know an ace return? That's fine. And Syndergaard, hopefully his start on July thirty first, like, will help you. I think as long as Syndergaard were to make that start, then it's fine. As long as you don't scratch him from the start before the game starts, like he, it'd be fine. So. But, God, shoo, good Lord, the Mets are just like, help, you, like I said, you need to help yourself before you can help anybody else. And the Mets have done nothing to help themselves up to this point. And 
you can start to help yourself by making a deal that sends DeGrom and Syndergaard off somewhere because it's not what you want to do. It's just what has to be done. You got lucky getting Syndergaard in the first place in that um, Toronto Blue Jays deal. So it's not, yeah, like I said, it's not what it's not what you want to do when you have two legitimate aces on your staff who have been to a World Series before, but it's just one of those things that you you might have to do it. You might have to pull the trigger on it. Team like the Yankees, especially if the Yankees come knocking on the door, talking talking business, because they may want Degrom, they may want Syndergaard. You you just kind of you just you only do what's best for the franchise, and the Mets front office has not done what's best for the franchise for the past. They haven't done what's best for the franchise since they won since the mirrors the amazing the amazing Mets in '86. <laughs> it's been over 20, 30 years. It's been over thirty years since they've done something good for the franchise. <laughs> I mean, but I could you could go on about the Mets all day. Um, if you haven't, you can go ahead and read Joel Sherman's piece on the Mets. Um, go to his Twitter account. I'm pretty sure his handle's at Joel Sherman, but you can go there, check it out. It's, it's Joel Sherman's a fantastic writer, so it's going to be a good read. That's all I got on the Mets, though, and that's pretty much all I got for today's podcast. Um, like I said, it's been a few weeks since I've recorded. I think the last time I recorded was, I think the thing said June 29th or something like that. So it's been close to a month, as usual, guys. Like I said in the previous segment, I'll be doing the NFL film. I'll be doing the film reviews for the Chiefs this coming season. Probably doing my personal account, so you can follow that at TrailerDay23, or you can follow the podcast Twitter at TodayWithTrey, and give those a follow. Give this podcast a subscription and a five-star rating, and leave a comment as well, because apparently the Apple algorithm is based on ratings and comments. Please help the algorithm do me a favor. (laughs) I don't want to beg, but I will if I have to. Um, But do all those things. Thank you for not bugging me about when another episode is going to come. Even though Austin was like, hey, bro, when you record another episode. Um, but hit the subscribe button, leave a five-star rating, leave a comment, follow the Twitter accounts, do all those snazzy things. And then I will see you when I see you, which it won't be another month before I re-record. I will, I'll be back sooner than that. So I will check you guys out next time. This is the Today with Trey podcast. You guys enjoy your day. Spent one six, that's a two watches. Goddamn, think I need a new hobby. Bought a chain, could have bought a Bugatti. Niggas dig riding with a Dugatti. Check it out, check it out, check out. Round, round time with the sticks out. Special week, so I bought the rigs out. These niggas rats, no Mickey Mouse.